Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hello, welcome to Mark My Words. I've got my business partner here, Wayne Beecham, who started Progressive Lets. Back in the day, we had a, a several hundred properties. We were using external letting agents, and we weren't getting a, a particularly good service. There were lots of issues, lots of management problems. In the end, we decided to bring it in-house, but I always knew I didn't know enough about management or lettings because it was never really something that I learned about or, or, or got into in the early days. I was always about investment. So I knew the only way to do it was to get somebody who really you know, had a lot of experience in management, letting, setting up all the systems, the processes, you know, tenant selection, inspections, all that stuff which lots of property investors don't necessarily do or don't necessarily sort of understand because they've not had the right training. So I found Wayne. Um, Wayne wanted his own business. Um, so we set up Progressive Let's together. Um, he's run it ever since. Um, he's built a team. He's got over 10 people working in there now. We've been growing it, um, you know, ever since we um, ever since we started it. Um, we've got about 650 tenants now, something in that in that region. Uh, and he's here with me today. He's going to answer lots of questions about lettings management and how to start a letting agency and how to build a letting agency, which I I think is particularly pertinent to lots of people who are in our game because. You know, it's a, a sort of another business, another income stream, which um, fits quite nicely with owning a, a portfolio. And I know uh, lots of uh, lots of people who've been on progressive trainings or, or lots of people who are in this industry have, have gone down that road. They've built a portfolio and then they, they've sort of got a letting agency as well that, that's come off the back of it. So Wayne's here. Wayne, welcome. Hello. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your history? How long have you been in lettings? Where did you start? So my background's been solely lettings. So um, since the age of 18, um, I've been involved in letting agencies. Very first job I actually got uh, was as a lettings administrator um, for one of the largest letting agencies here in Peterborough. Over the years, I've then set up letting agencies for other companies. And then finally, four and a half years ago, we set up Progressive Lets. Um, so predominantly all in estate agency, stroke letting agency, and setting up cold start letting agents. So how, how old are you now? I am 34. 34, so you've been doing this since you were 18. Yeah. So you've been doing it 16 years. Yeah, yeah so you've, you've got a lot of experience. So um, <clears throat> just tell us, you know, in terms of, um, you know, progressive lets, what was involved in setting it up? What did you have to do? Um, you know, and, and, and how have you grown it? Well, with every letting agency, it's starting from the very start. So the sort of back, back end systems that's going to control everything you do on a day by day basis. So on setting up progressive lets from the very start was sort of, you know, ultimately setting up right move accounts, setting up a presence and a brand. And then from there, all the back end systems that are not ultimately going to manage everything that takes place from start to finish on a day by day basis. So there's a lot of intricacies involved in setting up those systems because ultimately they're what are going to control everything that's done in the agency from day one. So you've got a sort of right move account, you've got a, is it called digital media or digital? Yeah, so, yeah so a software, a management software system, which is pretty much your sort of heart of any agent. 
Um, that is fundamentally what's going to control all of your systems, all of your processes. Oh, okay. So separate from Rightmove, separate from the marketing, you've, you've got your m- management system, which I think you use CFP Winman, is yep, that right? CFP Winman, which is one, yep. of, I mean, I've used that for about over 10 years now. Um, every software system has its pros and cons. There's very, it's very hard to find one that does everything you need, but you want quite a sophisticated, high-end system so you don't have a lot of disjointed processes. The last thing you want is one system which takes payments and another system that controls inspections, another system that controls inventories. You want to try and get a system that incorporates all of those processes in one so you're making yourself as streamlined as possible. So why, I mean, I understand they've got over 50% of the market, is that right, CFP Winman? Yeah, it's one of the forefront systems. Yeah, Yeah. so most, it's quite interesting because when we were setting Progressive Let's Up and I was speaking to various different people, everyone had different ideas about which was the best system. And I found that really most of it came down to what their experience was, i.e., which system they'd used for a, a period of time. People get into a way, don't they? You know, you have accounts people that come in and maybe they've used Sage, which is the biggest. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we're on because most accounts people have used that before. But some people come in and say, oh, I like Zero, or, you know, maybe I've used QuickBooks. Um, with letting agency, it's, it's similar. You might be on CFP Winman or there are some others as well. Yeah, I mean, quite a few people have their own personal preferences, maybe stuff that they've used in the past, maybe what they find to be user-friendly. I mean, with any software and system, it's it's about the user, how you use that system, how user-friendly you find it. Um, But also on top of that, it's going to come down to price point. CFP Winman's one of the most expensive. As you were, if you were starting off in the early days, you may look at a free piece of software. The most important thing, if you look at interchangeable bits of software, i.e. you're setting up early days and you want a free piece of software, but you want to be able to upgrade to a more expensive piece of software as you grow, is just to ensure that you've got the migration of data. If you can migrate your data out of any software and put it into another piece of software, it gives that evolution sort of process as you grow as an agent. CFP Winman, it can sort of tell you when inspections are due. Yeah. It can tell you when the gas safety is due. Yes. It can manage the maintenance. Yes. It can check the bank account. Yes. So it can check rents coming in. Correct. It tells you if someone's not paid. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So effectively, if something's running as it should do and they've paid, you don't hear about it. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that is your system. Everyone says with a good letting agency, you want to have good quality of staff. But you want to try and make those staff's jobs as easy as possible. And the fundamentals is the systems in the background. So with CFP Winman, it will control everything from a tenancy cycle and a landlord cycle from start to finish. So if you're a landlord in the game for 10, 20 years with an agent, you want that software to be able to control that journey, whether they have... Um, expand their portfolio, different types of tenant selection, maybe they go into HMOs, so it has the availability to be able to add HMOs into the software, all the way through to then what we're doing now, service accommodation, and Winman has the flexibility to be able to incorporate the management of service accommodation into their software as well. That's interesting. So yeah, you've grown from single lets, you're doing HMOs, and you've been doing those for a number of years now, and now you're doing serviced accommodation, and Winman can manage all of those different tenant types. Yeah, exactly. It's not set up for service accommodation. It's very much set up as a single let piece of software. Because I've been dealing with it over 10 years, I can see the parameters and the ways in which service accommodation can fit into the software. So I've made it work for service accommodation. So in terms of other systems that you use, I know when you go around and take a property on, you usually do a floor plan, don't you? Yes. What software are you using for that? Uh, so a local company called PlanUp 
yeah. um, we're using for that just down to cost, price point, and user-friendly ability to you know, interact with all our other pieces of software. There are lots of others out there, um, but that one we find very good. So you go in, or one of your guys goes in, has a look at the uh, floor plan, measures it all up, puts it into plan up, and then it can go on to right move. Correct. Yeah, and then the potential tenants can, can see that. Yeah, so once we've actually created the floor plan with plan up, we then um, put it into Winman, and then Winman, as a software, uploads it to all of our portals. So again, we're only doing the job once. The system is then pushing it out to all of the portals and the areas where we want the floor plan to actually appear. Same as the photos, same with the virtual tours we now do as well on each individual property. So what other pieces of software do you use on a, a daily basis within your letting agency to, 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 to manage the portfolio? Probably some of the most important ones is a good quality camcorder. Now right. this all depends on how people do their video inventories or their inventories. Quite a few people will use iPads and use the um, inventory softwares that are available. Some people will still do the old fashioned type, typed documents with photos in, um, which is the same as what the iPad software can do. Or we go to the extreme of doing a video, a visual inventory. Why do you do that? I found with experience that it saves landlords a huge amount of money. Um, it picks up everything. So the flaws with a iPad or a written document is generally they take photos of damages in a property. So if you've got a three bedroom house, it identifies where there's a scuff on a wall, a chipped bit of skirting, a, a, a mark on a carpet but it doesn't sort of give you an overview of the whole property. So what I found with growing letting agencies was changes in staff. And if you get a change in staff members, you're then expecting them to understand that property from start to finish when they've never seen it before. So you may have a new member of staff come in who has never seen the property, didn't move the tenants into the property, hasn't performed the inspections during the tenancy, and then they're trying to deal with the final inspection of a tenant when a tenant comes to vacate and how the property is being handed back, having had no previous relationship with that property. What our video inventories allows us to do is take a visual record of that property prior to a tenant moving in. Most of them for a three bedroom house will probably be about an hour long and it records everything. So when we're talking about everything, we're talking walls, um, floors, ceilings, windows, latches, radiators, thermostatic valves, end caps, curtain poles, end pieces on curtain poles, etc, etc. Extremely thorough. It then allows us on inspections to be able to do photographic inspection reports. Um, so our investors have a greater understanding when we're trying to inform them of items we've noticed within the property. But also when it comes to the final inspection um, stage, they take that video with them to the property and they retrace their steps of the visual inventory with the tenant to ensure that the property is being handed back in the same standard and quality. So there's less of an argument there when the tenant says, oh, that was there beforehand. You can just say, well, here was the video. And it We've obviously had it wasn't on there. numerous times. I mean, <coughs> when I first set that system up, I attended um, a number of properties. One tenant I met in, at the property went through the kitchen, opened the kitchen units and they were dirty and grubby inside and his um, response to that straight away was well, that's how it was when I moved into the property. So I bought the video up on um, what we have called Surface Pros, which is like um, Microsoft uh, tablets, which allows us to be able to watch the videos. Um, I brought that section of the video up, opened the units, they were all immaculately clean prior to moving in. And when I questioned him on it, 
um, he said, yeah, well, I was just trying trying it on. Huh. Well, what else are you trying it on with then? Exactly, uh, yeah. exactly. So I presume at the end of the tenancy, there's, there's sometimes a, a dispute over the deposit. Um, you use DPS where you, set, you send the deposit away because yeah. some agents keep the deposit, don't they, with TDS, I think. That's indeed, that's right. Yeah. So when that dispute arises, you, you pull the video inventory out and I suppose that takes a lot of the issue away when you know the, the, the dispute starts over whether the deposit is due back or not. Yeah. I mean, like I said, our systems ensure that we identify everything. What the downfall is with our systems can be the fact that the deposit protection services don't like them. So, for example... Why not? Well, sending them an hour-long video <laughs> and asking them to watch yeah, yeah. it to identify the areas they don't like. What they want is to be able to be um, informed of exactly what point to go to and the photographic evidence right. to show that it's different. Yeah. But that's our system that we implemented to get around the flaws or the downfalls yeah. of what DPS didn't like about our systems, which was that when we send our evidence off with our photos, we inform them of what minutes and seconds on the video to go to to watch the... Um, original evidence against the photographic evidence we've taken at the end or sometimes if it's damage which we feel warrant a video we will do a short video for damages at the end if if it's needed. So other systems that you run within your agency is there anything else that you're using continuously on a daily basis to, to, to help you get tenants or manage tenants? Yeah, I think the marketing, so the introduction of virtual tours. But, yeah. Um, so obviously having a video where people can actually walk around the property prior to going and viewing the property. And where does where can they access that? Usually on all the portals, but there are certain yeah. ones which so don't allow right it. Rightmove, Zoopla. Yeah, Rightmove yeah. and Zoopla are your fundamental portals yeah. for your single lets yeah. and your HMOs can go on there. Yeah. HMO specific sites, room sites such as Easy Roommate, Spare Room. Yeah. Spare um, Room is probably the best for HMOs, isn't it? Correct, and that's the one that allows for the upload yeah. of virtual tours. Easy Roommate doesn't at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then obviously on your service accommodation side, completely different style of portals is your Airbnb, your Booking.coms, your, yeah. your Owners Direct. I mean, there's a yeah. whole list of them. Okay. Um, so top tips for getting a property let at the highest rental figure hmm. give us some ideas so presentation making yeah. sure it's presented correctly a lot of people think that's so simple but you know summer months like we're in at the moment making sure that someone's keeping on top of the grass keeping trim you only need a property to be empty for maybe a week or two and then it starts to look unkept and untidy ensuring it's clean and tidy inside ensuring that you're working as efficiently as possible so the reason we do so much marketing material is because we don't waste our time showing people around a property where they walk in and go oh that third bedroom's too small we want to try and eradicate those people at the early days to ensure that we're not wasting our time showing people around a property which isn't going to meet their needs and their requirements so by giving 3d floor plans room measurements detailed descriptions um, virtual tours allows us to ensure that the people who are viewing with us are actually interested in that property and they're not going to find something quite basic isn't going to be what they're looking for not the, you know they don't want to be on electric heating for example or they're not happy that the windows are single glazed rather than double glazed so ensuring that you've got really detailed thorough marketing material and giving the potential tenants as much information as possible ensures that you're working as efficiently as possible. And what about dressing with HMOs? Is, does that make much of a difference? Yeah, it makes a massive difference. HMOs has the possibility of looking very clinical, um, especially when you've just got uniform furniture in a mm -hmm. property. Uh, we changed our systems some 
months ago now to ensure that all properties are now dressed. Um, so we have duvets, pillows, scatter cushions, throws, ornaments, bedside lamps that we take to the HMOs when they become empty. We dress the rooms for our marketing photos yeah. and then we take those dressing kits away so they're not left in the property. If we get a tenant that then turns around and says, oh, I really like the way that was dressed and I would like to take the property as it was dressed, we have those packages so that we can actually sell them to the tenants so they can still have their room exactly as they saw it in the marketing photos. And how about um, booking.com, Airbnb, serviced accommodation? I guess they're furnished, you leave them dressed. Yes. But you, what you need to do inspections to make sure that they, they still look really good. Yeah, exactly. So simple things like having photos of how it was prior to the tenant or the, the guest, should we say, going into the property and then ensuring it's returned. You know, it's a similar system to single lets and your HMOs, a little bit more refined because people are staying shorter periods of time um, and ensuring that, you know, other people who are accessing the property have that information. So i.e. perfect person is your cleaner. Um, you know, they're going to aid and assist you when they're going into your service accommodation, should there be any breakages and ensuring that it's returned to the same um, standard as it was prior to the first guest going in or that guest going in. So they're doing some of that legwork for you if you supply them with the evidence and ask them to ensure that it is, you know, once they finish their cleaning, that it looks exactly the same as the marketing, marketing photos from when you very first put the property on. So <clears throat> I'm, I'm presuming when you're managing those types of properties, specifically HMOs and, and blocks of flats, um, there are other considerations um, that you need to take account of versus single lets or a single let house or, or just an individual flat in a block uh, because you've got communal areas and you've got people living together. So how does your regime change to, 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 to you know, when you're managing buildings like that? Well, there's more checking, there's more legalities, there's more things to ensure that you're ticking off as you're going through the processes. Um, fundamentally, like HMOs, communal inspections, having a presence at the property, thinking that you're going to set a HMO up and put certain tenants into a property and it's going to run like a dream, um, you know, is very short-sighted. It doesn't tend to work like that. If you've not got a presence there and keeping in regular contact with each of the individual tenants, you will find that it will start to take a downward spiral. And you do have to be very careful with the types of people that you're putting in together. Um, it's very important that on your tenant selection, you're ensuring that you're setting up a small community in each of your HMOs to ensure that they run how you want them to run. Um, it's what you put in at the start that ensures that you get the result at the end. So how often do you inspect communal areas and within each HMO? HMOs communal areas are two weekly. Yeah. Um, that allows us to ensure that, as with single lets, you tend to get contractors being complacent. Yeah. Um, you can get cleaners being very complacent in HMOs. So having two weekly communal inspections ensures yeah. that they're signing off the cleaning rotor so we can see they've actually attended and been. Um, and also the cleaning is to the standard that we would have expected. And the cleaners go in every, how often? It depends on the HMO and the size yeah. of it. It can be anything from weekly to weekly. If it was a very small unit, it could be less often than that. But yeah. usually we're finding weekly or two weekly is the best times for them to go in. A lot of people think, well, the more often they're going in, the more expensive it's going to be. Yeah. Um, isn't necessarily the case because if a cleaner's going in once a month and has a huge amount of cleaning to do, they're naturally just going to charge for the time in which they're in the property. So actually having it done more regular and keeping on top of those items is a better method to ensure that you get the results you want. Smoke alarms, fire alarms, how often do they need to be inspected? 
on our inspections, we yeah. check those. So we check um, the, t the days and times we've attended, mm -hmm. um, what type of smoke alarm is in there and the locations of the smoke alarms and that the actual system has been tested. Um, to ensure that we've got all the records as part of our inspections. So if you're going around every two weeks, the smoke alarm would be checked every couple of weeks? Correct. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose there's bin cycle storage, which is quite important with HMOs. Yeah, it can get quite overrun um, and you know it can become uncontrollable if you're not on top of it. So uh, more so probably when you're doing a development style HMO, so maybe a commercial conversion or a larger unit, ensuring that you've got all the parameters in place, that you've got a bin store allocation and that you've got bins that are large enough for the quantity of tenants that are going to go into that individual unit. Um, a little <coughs> bit easier on house shares, but sometimes they can get up to six or seven HMO rooms um, and you may need additional bins to ensure that you can tackle that. And the same as things like fridge freezer space, ensuring you've got adequate space for each individual tenant um, because they're areas where a lot of people kind of undersell when they do the properties or renovate the properties, they put not enough of those units in and therefore it then becomes a problem when all of your tenants are fighting over fridge and freezer space. So lots of um, people I see starting this sphere and don't necessarily select their tenants very carefully and you touched on it earlier in that with HMOs where people are living together you need to be careful about not mixing tenant types. Mm. Um, I think clearly single lets well you know you're not really mixing different tenants in there it would either be a family or a single person anyway but selecting those people for single lets and for HMOs is quite important so what do you do to to make sure you're getting the right tenants? Well, I think everyone does the same sort of routes with standard landlord, employment and credit checks, which are you know, very important. I think you have to be a little bit more open minded than that. And as I always say, it's about putting a little bit more legwork in. Um, and, you know, a lot of agents are quite lazy and they want to do the bare minimum, but you need to go a bit further. A prime example of that is one thing we do, which is home inspections. So if a tenant lives within the area that we cover, which is Peterborough and within an hour outside of Peterborough, we will inspect their current property. The reason that is very useful is because you can get employment references stating everything's okay, credit check can be perfectly fine, and you can get a landlord reference saying everything's perfectly fine, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're happy with how that tenant's going to look after your investor's property. Another reason they stand out for us home inspections is because we just because we are good, decent, honest people doesn't mean everyone else is. And what we found an increase in is um, bogus landlord references. So with how the market has changed, um, it's getting harder and harder to evict tenants. Um, the local councils are usually asking tenants now to stay put after these Section 21s and your Section 8 notices um, until you get a court order and then asking them to stay now once the court order has been issued all the way up until bailiff stage. It's outrageous isn't it? Yeah it's not, it's not looking at the tenants best interests because ultimately then you've got a tenant with county court judgment CCJs against their name they're going to find it very hard in a normal rental market to um, obtain accommodation. Anyone who's doing their, their, their checks are going to find out that they've been evicted from a current property and it's never going to look favourable on them having CCJs against their names. So some private landlords we found to counteract that have been giving bogus landlord references to get around the fact of having to go through the court processes and bailiff stages because they're trying to ensure their tenant is moved out of the property before they get to that stage. So home inspections have allowed us to pick up when landlords are actually giving bogus references, saying the property's all perfectly fine, tenancies run as a dream, and then you go into the property and you see it's a very different situation than that. 
So home inspections is a massive one that we've incorporated, which we found is really useful. We've actually had tenants pass all the other checks and it's fallen down on the home inspection and we've not taken a tenant on for that specific reason. They can't hide reality, can they? People, around the house. people sometimes will try and delay us going around, but they're never going to be able to redecorate a whole property, clean all the carpets, and not going to be bothered, aren't they? Cover if, everything. If they up. don't run their life that way in the first place, they're probably not going to be bothered. No, to sort they're probably it out. going to try and get away with it. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so lots of landlords try and manage their properties on their own. Why do landlords need letting agents, and why do some landlords use letting agents? I think with the changing market, it's becoming more and more important to use a good quality regulated letting agency. Um, I think it's being becoming harder and harder for landlords to one, have all the tools available to any good quality letting agency to cover those checks um, and ensure they're attracting the right tenants. I mean, you know, we spend a huge amount in advertising and portals and tenant referencing processes and checks and um, all of those systems and you, the, the um, technology that I picked up on earlier as camcorders and um, iPads to be able to go through all of those quality of systems. And it's also time. I mean, any good letting agency that's doing the practices they should will be will be allocating a large amount of time to those processes. And as an individual landlord, you only need to be starting getting up to your five, six, seven properties before that's becoming a full-time job if you're doing it properly. Also, keeping up with legislation and regulations. We all know some of the fundamental changes that come in with the right to rent checks, um, obviously becoming border control now and ensuring the right people are in the right properties and they're actually legally allowed to be in those properties. Um, you've got to keep abreast of all of those changes in rules, legislation, and lettings is a lot further behind a state agency in terms of regulation. So that is going to change a lot <clears throat> in the forthcoming years, and we've already seen it happen over the last eight, nine years. There's been a lot of changes. More and more <clears throat> legislation every year seems to come out, and you know the landlord seems to be doing the job of government in many ways. Um, I mean, now you're, you're checking that they've got the, the right to be in the country. Yes. Um, so what, what are you doing? You're taking a national insurance number or...? Yeah, there's identification checks and bits and pieces we need to do. We use a, um, a company via a referencing company who actually do the checks for us. Well, you can do it yourself, but it's just more long-winded. Um, and if you've got a good quality referencing company that offer that as a bolt-on, it's worthwhile doing for the cost um, of us doing those, it outweighs the time we'd put in doing it ourselves. So there's more and more regulation that you need to sort of comply with, and if you don't, well, you know, sometimes the, the council will take action, um, yeah. and, and then you, you may not be able to rent properties in the future, because I, I presume um, landlords in, in the medium term are going to be licensed, all of them. Well, yeah, we had this conversation before, and I think that's where I see the market moving, is very much like having a driving licence, having a licence to become a landlord. Um, I think... You know, we've seen here in Peterborough the changes with selective licensing. I know other areas have had that as well. That's obviously an attempt to regulate the market and who's operating within the market. We've had conversations previously about how that can fall short um, and how, you know, it's generally the unscrupulous landlords that are going to try and avoid that system until they get picked up. So is this all bad? You know, if we're having all these regulations piled on us and we're having to do more and more, uh, that you might assume was the government or the tenant's responsibility. What does that mean for the market? Does it, is there any benefit for us as good landlords? Yeah, I think all change should be seen in a positive light. Um, it's not always that easy to swallow sometimes, especially when you've got to make large changes. But we all want an industry which protects everyone involved. 
Um, what I think we have to be careful with is the amount of cost associated with an investor. With changes normally comes cost and that's being hit at the moment on the letting agency side and on the landlord side. So ensuring that it doesn't become unfeasible for a landlord or a letting agency to operate is key. Um, but I think change is good, especially in a market when we want everyone to be safe and we want a market that that runs as it should legally. I mean, two years ago, a little three bed single let might have been 525, 550. Um, probably six months ago, that was 650. And I've noticed now you're getting over 700 on the same property, the same sort of three bed ex council. Yeah. Um, I guess some of that is the fact that they've increased stamp duty on buy to let purchases and also there's these mortgage interest uh, you know, changes in that you can't offset all the mortgage interest against um, the rent that's coming in. So that's put some landlords off buying. But in addition to that, I think some of these regulatory changes have put some landlords off and taken some landlords out of the market. So actually rents have been growing quite substantially. And I think we, we do probably get paid for these as, as good landlords get paid for some of these changes. Um, and I just think it, it, it means there'll be less competition in the marketplace. So in the round, it should be seen as a, as a positive thing. Yeah, I mean, it is a supply and demand thing. And like you said, I think it's weaned certain people out. I think the changes such as selective licensing is taking some of the unscrupulous bad landlords out of the equation as well. Um, and yeah, there is, there is not enough demand to meet supply. So therefore, that's always going to push rents up. I think also with the burden that are being pushed on, as you've stated, there's a number of changes, which is making it um, a little bit more costly to be a landlord. Um, so therefore it has to be counteracted somewhere and generally it's in the rents. Um, and that's why we've seen a massive increase since Brexit. It's probably the biggest increase I've ever seen in the market for the whole time I've been involved in lettings. Um, but in, in, a, in some ways that's a very good thing. Um, you know, it's making um, it, it's allowing landlords to continue to do business and, and that's ultimately what we need to do. We, we need to have a rental market um, and we need to still have people investing in that rental market and bringing new units to, to the table to meet the supply. The council, especially Peterborough City Council, have already informed us that there is a, um, a huge um, backlog with them on being able to put people into accommodation due to the rise in evictions. Um, that they're just backlogged and they need more private rental properties to accept housing benefit tenants and tenants in general so that they can they can stop the avalanche of tenants that are going to the council. Housing benefit isn't what it was, is it? I mean, I remember years ago we were renting lots of properties to LHA tenants mm. um, and you almost won't take them now like a lot of other letting agencies is that right well we've implemented systems that make it i think there was this downfalls with the housing benefit system um and it's always been um slightly working against landlords and how they want to collect rents rents in advance and so on and so on housing benefit usually paying in arrears and it, the systems don't meet so it's encouraged a lot of agents to turn around and say well actually and landlords to say well actually i don't want to deal with that style of the market um we, I've been a bit more open-minded about it and implemented systems that favour our landlords. So we won't take benefit payments in line with how housing benefit pay it. So it means that we have to take on housing benefit tenants who do have a sum of money in their bank or have a good guarantor who can help fund their move. They have to pay the rent in advance and they have to pay the full rent in advance. 
they take the housing benefit payments themselves and it's they're expected to make up the difference. So our systems between working tenants and housing benefit tenants are exactly the same. You don't feel any difference as a landlord. Um, it's just our back systems that change dependent on each individual tenant selection type. But I know you reject a hell of a lot more of them than say some of the landlords used to years ago because housing benefit, let's say a little three bed, might have been over 600 a month when the private market, you were getting 500, 525. But that's moved yeah. quite significantly. I mean, I mean, private rents are now higher than housing benefit here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think when it was a favourable market to take on housing benefit tenants, I think maybe certain landlords letting agents were a little bit more lapse about those tenants because they were getting a greater markup on the rent for taking those style of tenants on board. Since that's changed, there's actually a weight now towards taking on working tenants because you're generally getting higher rents on those style of tenants. Um, it has shifted things to make us analyse the housing benefit process and also make it more vigilant for the type of tenants we're taking on. So therefore we do reject a lot, a higher proportion of people that come through our doors. You know, for example, if they don't have a guarantor, we won't accept housing benefit at all. Um, if they're asking us to accept the housing benefits in line with how housing benefit pay it, again, we won't take on those style of tenants. So it's made us more selective on the type of tenants we're taking on without crossing out the market altogether. Now, with all these regulatory changes and extra legislation, there are lots of letting agencies who are finding the market more difficult. Um, they haven't. Some of them have been around 20 years and they haven't necessarily kept pace with all of the changes. Maybe they're a little bit you know, older. Maybe they're looking to retire um, and, and looking to get out. And we've seen quite a few coming through who are looking to sell their businesses. Uh, and I know that's something which you've been particularly interested in, buying these letting agencies and, and sort of putting them into your existing system and, and structure. Um, I know we're out, we're out looking for those kind of businesses. So yeah. what, what would you say to anybody who had a, a letting agency and that they were looking to offload? Um, you know, is, is, is there an opportunity there? Is that something which you could uh, facilitate? Yeah, it's definitely something they should talk to us about. Um, we understand it's an evolving market and it's getting harder for letting agents that don't diversify, that aren't looking in their investors' best interests. Um, you know, it's important now that you offer a variety of strategies to your investor. Um, and I think where a lot of letting agencies maybe let themselves down is that they are doing the same old practice they've always done. Um, and it's quite important with any industry you're involved in that as that market changes and evolves that you move with it and you have some foresight to see what changes are coming in in the future and you ultimately try and look after your clients. I think a lot of people think our clients are only the landlords but ultimately we are a third party who our clients are both the tenants and the landlords but looking in the tenant's best interest you need to look at the landlord's best interest of making sure you're getting more properties on um, more units which are attractive to an investor so that then you can give tenants more options um, for what's available. So final question, um, there are more changes, more legislative changes um, which are planned. Um, what are they and what effect do you think they're going to have? I suppose the two fundamental ones they're looking at at the moment is tenancy fee ban um, and the capping of deposits. Um, Capping of deposits, I don't see being a big change. Um, you know, for us, it's a very, very small change on what we take anyway. Relying just on a large deposit at the end is never a good practice to do so. You want to make sure you've got good quality of systems, checking properties, ensuring that you're dealing with issues when they first arise. 
counteracts any issues with deposits anyway. I mean, when we're talking about a standard tenancy deposit, we're talking of a month's rent, two months' rent. Somewhere in that region is where most people are. We're not talking of five, six thousand pounds worth of deposit, which is going to cover every eventuality anyway. So good quality systems is always going to eradicate there being problems with deposits anyway. Um, tenancy fee bans slightly larger one because I see that having quite a impact. I don't necessarily think a fee ban is the best way forward because I think it undermines the work that agents are doing and I've picked up on well only one additional extra that we do in terms of um, home inspections but there are a variety of other different uh, referencing checks we do um, more so than most other agents. So I think it undermines that um, by trying to take away a fee completely and I think the market will be quite creative with how it deals with that and I think it'll inevitably end up costing tenants more money um, if that change comes in place. Whether that be, some people have spoken about increases in rents, some people are speaking about that tenants will have to go direct to referencing companies um, and pay them direct for their references <coughs> to then be able to pass those reference checks onto the letting agency to be kind of pre-vetted before they go looking for a, a letting property. Those fees associated with referencing companies, what have been spoken about, are quite excessive, higher than what letting agencies are currently charging in administration fees. So ultimately, you're taking away letting agencies' fees to encourage a referencing market to inflate their prices and inevitably charge tenants more money. So they could end up paying for it through other routes. Um, so effectively, the, the tenants are going to end up spending the same amount of money in all likelihood, but this is probably a political move that that maybe looks good, but it's either going to get added on the rent or it's going to go straight to the referencing agencies or, or some other route. Um, so probably won't be too much change. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, I don't think there'll be a huge amount of change. I think the tenants will feel it more if a tenancy fee ban comes in. I think it's definitely going to be tenants that are going to feel it more over landlords and letting agents because the systems still have to be adhered to, the checks still have to be done. And if that's the case, they're going to pay for it some way, shape or form. Um, and because of that, I think the, it's going to encourage inflation of prices in other areas, whether that be on the rent or whether that be via referencing companies. It is definitely going to change things for tenants more so than landlords and letting agencies. Um, though I think a lot of people feel like they're going to feel it as a landlord or a letting agency, but I, you know, I, I personally feel that won't be the case. Wayne, it's been interesting. Um, I've, I've certainly learned um, some new stuff there, gleaned, uh, gleaned, gleaned quite a few insights. Um, yeah, so, so thank you for, for the podcast. How can people get in contact with you if they're looking to have their properties managed or maybe they're looking to sell a letting agency? How would they get in contact with you? Best point of call for me would be to get hold of me on my email address, which is waynebeecham at progressivelets.co.uk. Contact me about any query question that people may have. I'm on Facebook. I'm usually actively in the Progressive Property community, or um, I've got my own personal profile on there as well. Um, so, so that's Wayne Beecham, B-E-E-C-H-A-M uh, e yeah. at progressivelets.co.uk. Or on the office number 01733293900 is the main office number where you'll get through to um, my great staff and you can always ask myself and we can have a chat about anything lettings based. Great. Wayne, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.